Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Peter and Ruth Fleck, my friends of blessed memory, fled the Nazi invasion of their native Holland with a suitcase. As Ruth packed, she tucked in a small statue of a reclining horse. My memory is that it was Chinese, over 2,000 years old. A neighbor stopped by to say goodbye and brought two sausages, a rare and precious gift in wartime. Reluctantly, Ruth removed the priceless statue and put the meat into its place. Later, the Nazis ransacked the house. The little horse, along with everything else of value, was lost forever. But as it all turned out, it was the sausage that was priceless, keeping the flecks alive on their slow, circuitous passage to America. This is one of 10,000 stories from the Holocaust that awakens me at night. I wonder, am I the kind of person who would share my rationed food in wartime? Am I the kind of person who, when the knock came at the door, would open it to my frightened neighbors and say, come in, you are safe here? Compassion and righteous anger, trumping fear. I wonder. In 1971, Stanford University psychologist Phil Zimbardo conducted a simulated study of prison life. 24 emotionally stable, mature volunteers were randomly assigned to play the role of prisoner or guard. Everyone involved knew that this was all make-believe. No crimes had been committed. The study, designed to last for two weeks, was terminated after just six days when it was determined that the prisoners were in danger of physical harm and lasting emotional damage. The guards, in later interviews, described being caught up in the drama. One said remorsefully, I really thought I was incapable of this kind of behavior. The Stanford prison study concluded that evil is often born out of bad situations, not bad people. The guards weren't bad people. They were responding to the unchecked power they were granted in their roles. Phil Zimbardo concluded that giving people power without oversight is just a prescription for evil. Think 
Jim Jones and the Kool-Aid, or the prison at Abu Ghraib. But Phil Zimbardo didn't stop there. Instead, he turned from his study of evil to a study of good. What, he asked, is the antidote to evil? His answer, heroism. The Heroic Imagination Project was born out of his conviction that heroism is the antidote to evil. But our kids' heroes are the wrong models for them, says Phil Zimbardo, because they have supernatural talent. We want kids to recognize that most heroes are everyday people. To be a hero, he continues, you have to do two things. You have to act when others are passive. And you have to give up egocentrism for sociocentrism. Basically, we have to teach kids that to be a hero, you have to learn to be a deviant. By promoting the heroic imagination, Phil Zimbardo concludes, we want kids to think, I'm a hero in the making. I'm a hero waiting for the right situation to come along when I can act heroically. It's important to remember that heroes save lives not just with their brawn, but with their brains. I will never forget meeting Stephanie Kolak. Hers is not exactly a household name, but it should be. She is the American chemist who invented what we call Kevlar the key ingredient in life-saving bulletproof vests and other body armor worn by law enforcement officers and soldiers. Stephanie Kolek is one of my heroes. But the aspect of everyday heroism by which I am most compelled is the idea that heroism can be taught and learned and practiced. Professors Scott Allison and George Gothels, heroes, author of Heroes, What They Do and why, they, why We Need Them, believe that the heroic journey begins with studying heroism. Who are your heroes? How are they alike? When I think of my heroes, as diverse as Nelson Mandela, an anonymous Tibetan nun standing up to the Chinese government, Carlos Arredondo, the righteous Gentile Martha Sharp. When I think of them, I see the arc of their shared vision of a better world, their willingness to sacrifice for that vision, their courage, leadership, and resilience. The world needs heroes. We set out on the heroic journey by acting like a hero. There are two aspects of choosing the heroic journey that capture my imagination. The first is what mythologist Joseph Campbell names as the importance of attuning ourselves to a call. Traditionally, heroes are called with a strong intuition, sudden realization, or divine transmission. I would add that sometimes heroism is just some kind of magic combination of holy curiosity and being in the right place at the right time. 
This past week, gynecologist Karen Skasia was fishing in Montana with river guide Seth McLean when they encountered a cow moose and her newborn baby trying to cross the swollen Big Hole River. The mother struggled. The 25-pound calf was swept into the churning water. It was small, and the river was swift, says Karen Skasia. The cow moose looked on from the distant bank as the river carried away its calf. We lost sight of the baby. It was hurtling downstream, too small to ever fight the current. Karen Skasia and Seth McLean set the raft into the current and raced downstream, searching for the newborn. Small as it was, it wasn't easy to spot, Karen Skasia says. We found it with its little nose just above the water. We got up alongside it and I just grabbed the little bugger. I scooped it up from the river by its front legs and I tried to hold it out, not wanting to get my scent all over it, but it was basically limp, but it was breathing. And with my hand on its chest, I could feel its heart beating really fast. Seth McLean turned the, the raft back against the courage and rode upstream. They reached the bank where the mother had disappeared into the woods, and the baby was crying like a puppy. At the sound of her bleeding calf, the mother emerged from the woods. Karen Skasia let it go, and she and Seth McLean headed downstream. Having delivered so many babies, it was like every other day to me. <laughs> said Karen Skasia, though it was a different modality. <laughs> it was cool to be in the right place at the right time. As we commit to the heroic journey, there is first the importance of attuning ourselves to a call, an admixture of holy curiosity, and being in the right place at the right time. And second, there is a commitment to pay it forward. Ancient Greek playwright Menander first proposed the idea that we can repay a good deed by performing good deeds to others rather than to the original benefactor. These do not need to be grand gestures. In fact, attention to the power of small gestures may well be the heart of everyday heroism. We can start a wave of human goodness, stand back and watch it go. Here's a story full of heroes. 25-year-old Marine Sergeant Ross Gundlich served as a dog handler in Afghanistan. An image of the yellow lab who was his constant companion is tattooed on his right forearm. Four-year-old Casey is pictured with angel wings. During the 150 missions they performed together, Casey never missed an explosive. She caught three before they could be detonated. Ross Gundlach credits her with making it home safely. And I promised her, he says, if we ever made it out alive, I'd do whatever it takes to find her. He is now taking classes at the University of Wisconsin. She finished her military service and was sent to the Iowa State Fire Marshal's office to work detecting explosives. And beginning in late winter, Ross Gundlach has been making his case to State Fire Marshal Ray Reynolds. He wrote, he sent photos. The State Fire Marshal is a mensch. 
First, he spoke with Tom Mayer, president of the Iowa Elks Association. And the Elks agreed to donate $8,500 to buy another dog for the fire marshal's office. We have a motto in our association, says Tom Mayer, that as long as there are veterans, the Elks will strive to help them. Next, Ray Reynolds came up with a ruse to get Ross Gundlach to Des Moines, telling him he needed to come to the state capitol to plead his case in front of a bureaucratic oversight committee. On May 10th, he arrived with his parents, but was told that the meeting had been delayed. They were invited to join an Armed Services Day celebration in the rotunda. There, hundreds of law enforcement officers, military personnel, and civilians were seated, keeping the secret until they brought out Casey. When Ross Gundlach saw his dog, he put his head in his hands and wept. She licked his face, wagging her tail furiously. During the ceremony, Iowa's governor, Terry Branstead, officially retired Casey from active duty, thanking her for a job well done. I owe her, says Ross Gundlach. I'll just try to give her the best life I can. Beloved spiritual companions, heroism is the antidote to evil. The neighbor with two sausages in wartime, hero. The inventor of Kevlar, hero. The river guide and the gynecologist, heroes. The Iowa State Fire Marshal and the Elks, heroes. The dog, hero. The soldier, hero. May we choose to act when others are passive and to give up egocentrism for sociocentrism. A call and holy curiosity, a commitment to pay it forward, and attention to the power of small gestures. May we choose the heroic journey. May we teach and learn and practice heroism. May we be heroes in waiting.